0: The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. The dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweigh the dangers which are cited to justify it. This book is a product of my own struggle to understand how the idealistic institutions our country built to safeguard both public health and democracy suddenly turned against our citizens and our values with such violence. I am a lifelong Democrat whose family has had 80 years of deep engagement with America's public health bureaucracy and long friendships with key federal regulators, including Anthony Fauci, Francis Collins, and Robert Gallo. Members of my family wrote many of the statutes under which these men governed. They nurtured the growth of equitable and effective public health policies and defended that regulatory bulwark against ferocious attacks funded by industry. I built my own alliances with these individuals and their agencies during my years of environmental and public health advocacy. Quite on the set. Hammer speed. Take one. But I also watched how the industry, supposedly being regulated, used its indentured servants on Capitol Hill and its financial clout to systematically hollow out those agencies beginning in the 1980s, disabling their regulatory function and transforming them into sock puppets with the very industry Congress charged them with regulating. I explore the carefully planned militarization and monetization of medicine that has left American health ailing and our democracy shattered. I chronicle the troubling role of the dangerously concentrated
1: mainstream media. You're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science.
0: Big tech robber parents, the military and intelligence communities, and their deep historical alliance with big pharma and the public health agencies. The disturbing story that unfolds here has never been told, and many in power have worked hard to prevent the public from learning it. The principal character is Anthony Fauci.
2: Today, I will be your master of ceremonies for event 201. Today's scenario is going to simulate meetings of a multi-stakeholder group called the Pandemic Emergency Board. This board has been urgently convened by the World Economic Forum.
0: In October of 2019, you have a tabletop simulation that is sponsored by who? The funders, the Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum, Johns Hopkins School for Security, which is funded by NIH and Gates, the major hosts include not only Gates but also Avril Haines, who's the former Deputy Director of the CIA. So, what is the CIA doing? Hosting a uh, a, a simulation on public health? The CIA is not a public health agency. It is an intelligence agency, it does not do public health.
3: The line between disinformation and misinformation is not always an easy one to find. Mm. We shouldn't be trying to um, control communication, but rather flood the zone. certainly seen the value of communicating constantly on these issues so as to continue to to deal with, uh, you know, sort of the vacuum that can be created in this circumstance. All of the disinformation that will be put out, it's going to be important to actually have a response to those questions. There are also uh, intelligence sources, identifying multiple foreign disinformation campaigns.
4: Governments need to be willing to do
5: things that are out of their historical perspective
6: For the most part, it's it's really a, a war footing that we need to be on. It can happen quickly. A Marshall type plan, uh, you know, don't mean to say that exactly, but a Marshall plan that mm-hmm. can go into effect uh, can stimulate a change very quickly.
4: The distrust mm-hmm. relates to the health system
3: mm-hmm. more
4: generally. A step up from the part of the governments on enforcement actions against fake news.
3: I think a couple of things we have to consider are even before this began, the anti-vaccine movement was very strong. And this is something specifically through social media that has spread. So as we move forward, obviously trust in pharmaceuticals and government is very important at this moment.
0: The simulation is a simulation of a coronavirus that has escaped and ends up killing 60 million people around the planet. The Chinese government knew of the escape of the virus by September 12, 2019. Curiously, who is there is George Gale who was the head of the Chinese CDC. At that time, George Gale almost certainly knew the coronavirus was circulating.
7: Infected people got a respiratory illness with symptoms ranging from mild flu-like signs to severe pneumonia. The sickest required intensive care, many died. It's spreading rapidly throughout local communities. International travel has turned local
3: epidemics into a pandemic spanning the globe. There are now more than 30,000 reported cases. Experts warn this may be just the beginning of a global problem. More than half of the recognized cases have required hospital care, creating
7: a huge strain on healthcare systems. The fatality rate is about 10%. Because it appears the virus is readily transmitted through the air from person to person, essentially all people are susceptible. Experts agree unless it is quickly controlled, it could lead to a severe pandemic, an outbreak that circles the globe and affects people everywhere, two to four times more lethal than the 1918 influenza pandemic, the worst pandemic on record. Even so, some people only exhibit mild flu-like symptoms, not requiring treatment in a hospital. Alarmingly, those people are able to walk around and spread the virus, not realizing they are doing so. Even worse, international travelers have been arriving at their destinations symptom-free, but within a matter of hours, becoming ill. Travel-related cases have blossomed into outbreaks in a number of locations and have quickly
3: grown faster than health authorities could respond and contain them. I'm joined by immunologist Dr. Yvonne Bello and Dr. Rhea Blakey, an epidemiologist, both highly respected in their fields.
8: Researchers are working on a vaccine. Even if we discover a good vaccine candidate, we're starting from scratch, and it takes time to test safety and efficacy, typically years.
2: We simply cannot rely on these old timelines and processes. With enough money and
3: political will, anything is possible. Our U.S. affiliate has just released polling results on public expectations for a vaccine. A majority of Americans expect a vaccine to be available within two months, and 65% of those polled are eager to take the vaccine, even if it's experimental. In related news, a significant demand for personal protective equipment, like N95 masks and gloves, are on the rise due to the pandemic. However, globally, hospitals are running low. Additionally, other critical medical supplies such as saline and antibiotics are dwindling. Countries and companies are reportedly stockpiling supplies, disrupting healthcare supply chains, causing dangerous shortages in many parts of the world.
5: What you just witnessed were highlights from Event 201. This pandemic simulation exercise of the coronavirus took place about six weeks before the first illness from the coronavirus was actually reported in Wuhan, China. Now, this simulation also includes news reports, which were fabricated just for this exercise.
7: which has infected hundreds in China, has now reached the United States.
1: Some of the city's biggest employers ordering workers to stay home. We have already
4: started at the NIH and with many of our collaborators on the developing of a vaccine. I wasn't necessarily surprised when um, we started to see him in the national limelight. At the beginning of the
9: pandemic, we really didn't know what it was going to be like and how to manage it and how infectious the, the virus was. And therefore, a lockdown made sense just to buy a little time to figure out what we should do, what policies we should make, what things needed to be mobilized in order to reduce risk of the infection and actually keep the epidemic as, as limited as
6: possible. In comes Tony Fauci, the savior of the West, uh, promoting these actions, lockdowns, masking, et cetera, I think many
0: of my fellow Democrats see him as this kind of, particularly during the early COVID pandemic, as this kind of avuncular, um, soothing figure who was a reassuring counterbalance to Donald Trump's anti-science, narcissistic, you know, bombast.
10: See if there's any way that you can apply light and heat
0: to cure.
4: But I'm like a person that has a good you-know-what.
0: There was tremendous fear in our country that was orchestrated and generated by the press and by the medical cartel. When people get fearful, they're Capacity for critical thinking gets disabled and the you know it's just a human inclination to look for reassurance and leadership from leadership authorities
10: Just one that we looked up to at a time where we needed answers at a time he has
0: a cool
11: calm you know calmness to him but very factual <laughs>
1: the Fauci effect. I mean, it's nice, but in an era of the normalization of untruths and lies, it's what I symbolize. Consistency for integrity, for truth.
0: My impression from him, because I had already been dealing with him for 17 years, and I had a a skepticism about him because I knew that he was the architect of agency capture within the public health agencies
1: with the vaccine as i use it i say you know help is on the way it certainly is but the fact that help is on the way should spur us even more to double down on some of the public health measures the physical distancing the universal wearing of masking the staying away from crowds throughout the country
6: but we all thought we were gonna die that this thing was going to sweep through and devastate all of us which became weaponized for lockdowns it became weaponized as a rationale for massive infusion of fiat currency into the economy for causing people to no longer be able to go to work etc cetera, etc cetera.
9: it became apparent after a while that the lockdowns are counterproductive
4: and in many ways covid restrictions were worse than covid itself and so we kept getting news updates. Well, the swimming pool is now closed down. The gym is now closed down.
10: They use the the, the sphere to cr- create the justifications for implementation of all these abrogations of personal liberties and civil rights, So, such as shutting down businesses and causing them to get bankrupt.
12: Tech companies have benefited massively from pandemic policies that make no medical sense, such as lockdowns, such as not letting us shop in person, not letting us be educated in person, locking kids indoors. Amazon is up 20% net revenue in the last two years. Google is up 20 to 25% net revenue. Microsoft is up 20, 25% net revenue. Nintendo is up. All of them crafted or influenced lockdown policies that killed off human assembly, human commerce, human worship, human culture, and, and drove it all online.
10: But it may interest you to know, you know that all the most rigorous scientific studies have found that masks don't prevent transmission of
9: respiratory viruses. Masks have essentially no benefit. N95 was developed to protect construction workers from dust. Dust particles are removed by those 95% effectively. Dust particles are thousands of times larger than COVID viruses, SARS-CoV-2, and, the, and it's like putting ping pong balls through a chain link fence. 95% of the time, they're just gonna go straight through. Dr. Fauci started out by saying correctly
10: that masks don't do any good against respiratory viruses. He said it on 60
1: Minutes in, in, I think it was March of 2020. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And in saying that, for once, he was
10: actually reflecting the scientific consensus, right? But then a couple months later, he completely flipped. Uh, The head of this Chinese CDC, George Gao, having said suddenly, Everybody's got to wear a mask, right? Everybody in the West has got to wear a mask, as in China. Then Dr. Fauci uh,
1: shifted. Masks are protected. If you look at at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. The Academy of Pediatrics actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks uh from two years old onward
11: i mean i think i've got this right one mask is better than zero masks two masks is better than one mask but you don't have to have double masks is is that right i mean
10: then a couple months later the world health organization shifted because they too had said correctly that masks don't do anything against respiratory viruses but then they flipped A dispute over a mask
6: led to a woman being tased by a cop at a middle school game. Of course, no, it should have never come to this. What is your right to refuse? And what is the law enforcement's ability to enforce? You have to have a mask on. Shoot
3: me, people. You're gonna shoot me for trying not to breathe?
9: Cool. Come on, on.
3: dude.
9: And there is Barack Obama dancing Mm -hmm. uh, unmasked. He's been talking about the need to get a vaccine and all the other stuff. I don't think he wants to break from the CDC. What's interesting is I haven't heard the CDC commenting about this yet.
5: Masks are pretty magical, and they
12: don't have much downside. People with masks, they give up their individuality, they give up rights as free human beings. You become really, it's the beginning of slavery. African-American slaves in America, many of them, they wore masks. I have called the masks to be the symbolic equivalent of the yellow star that I had to wear. It's a sign that you are not free, that you are lesser. All of this is happening only because people obey
0: masking really was a symbolic uh, signal, not only of obedience, but also that we all should maintain constant fear and that we needed to stay away from each other, from relationships and community. During my childhood, there were duck and cover bells. Duck and cover, just as you do in your school. We all know the atomic bomb is very dangerous. You will know when it comes. We hope it never comes, but we must get ready. We were were constantly drilled in school about what would happen when the Russians attacked us with nuclear weapons. We had to remove sharps from the table. We had to put our our head under the desk when we heard the the alarm sounding. If you were paranoid, you might feel that the purpose of that drill was to maintain this level of, of what Bob McNamara later called mass psychosis where you keep an entire population in fear by constantly reminding them that their lives are under attack. And I think, you know, one of the things that uh, disturbed me about the masking, what it was, it was very reminiscent of that.
4: If one wears a mask or one stays in a tiny room and fills up the room with virus and continues to rebreathe the virus, there is a real chance that one could make a mild illness more severe. It's called re-inoculation. We had gotten a call from Presbyterian Village saying one of the workers contracted COVID. And this was the characteristic pattern in 2020. Remember, the senior citizens in nursing homes, they weren't going out and getting COVID. They were sitting ducks. They were already locked down. And in fact, a worker gave COVID to my dad We are hearing stories of patients going in the hospital, being locked down in isolation, never seeing their loved ones again, and then dying in the hospital alone.
2: We don't get to eat dinner with them. We don't get to sit with holidays for them. Memorial Day,
12: Father's Day, Mother's Day.
5: When COVID sort of broke out across the world. We started trying to learn as much as we could about the disease, you know, and we saw it break out in, uh, you know, in Wuhan, and then Lombardy in Italy, and then Seattle in New York. And I know someone in every ICU in New York City, and um, it became pretty clear what their main sort of uh, mechanisms of disease were. They were hyperinflamed and they were clotting to a degree I've never seen before. Nurses were drawing blood, it was clotting in the syringe, and it was clear they needed blood thinners. When SARS-CoV-2 came to the US,
8: predominantly in New York City, uh, patients were getting really sick, they were being admitted to the ICU, they were put on ventilators, and we know the mortality at that time, if you were ventilated in an ICU in New York, was close to 90%.
5: I was pointing out that I was seeing unprecedented mortality rates and we had to do something. But the, the general conservatism of medicine uh, was that, no, because you might harm someone. It's hard to harm someone when they're dying at rates we've never seen them. They were clearly dying of undertreatment. Because of my efforts were being
4: blocked and it was clear that I was not welcome, I resigned. What I did with my dad ultimately became the foundational principles of the McCullough protocols. And the first thing I said is, open the windows. And Why? Because we wanted ventilation. We wanted to reduce the viral density in the aerosol of the room. Fresh air was applied for centuries for other respiratory illnesses. Step two, the uh, Indian Medical Society for Doctors had already mandated hydroxychloroquine as a standard of care once a week prophylaxis. Zinc, 50 milligrams a day, had a supportive role. Vitamin D, 5,000 international units. Vitamin C, 3,000 milligrams a day. Quercetin, 500 milligrams twice a day.
9: By July of 2020, there had been nine studies of clinical trials, not randomized, of hydroxychloroquine. Some by itself, some used with azithromycin and zinc and, and so on. Every one of those studies showed benefit. The totality of those studies, all analyzed together, showed about a 50% reduced risk of hospitalization and a 75% reduced risk of mortality. Now, these studies are all studies of outpatients, people who get COVID and are treated within the first five or six days, or started treatment within the first five or six days. It was a very clear set of data about as clear as one could ever hope to get.
5: And yet, Fauci's in the Oval Office saying this is a game changer. And next thing you know,
1: everybody in the country is starting to give it. Supplies are starting to fill hospitals and they're all giving. That the data shows that remdesivir has a clear-cut, significant, positive effect in diminishing the time to recovery. This will be the standard of care. When I was looking at this data with our team the other night, it was reminiscent of 34 years ago in 1986 when we were struggling for drugs for HIV. And we did the first randomized placebo-controlled trial with AZT, which turned out to give an effect that was modest, but that was not the end game because building on that every year after, we did better and better.
2: There's a novel pathogen and Fauciism always dictates that for some strange reason, you throw the most toxic drugs imaginable at it and you make one of them the kind of reigning king of treatment. Back then it was AZT, now with COVID it's remdesivir with no feeling or regard or apprehension about the toxicity while at the same time vilifying, persecuting, creating a a whole culture of disinformation about treatments that are older, like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, that doctors in droves are saying is curing people, is getting people out of the hospital, is ending this sickness in a matter of days, if not hours.
5: And I I have to point out, I am severely troubled by the fact that the NIH, the FDA and the CDC I do not know of any task force that was assigned or compiled to review repurposed drugs in an attempt to treat this disease. Everything has been about novel and or expensive pharmaceutically engineered drugs, things like rendesivir and vaccines. The first time I got a call from Senator Johnson's chief of staff that I heard a a U.S. senator wanted to talk to me because he'd come across our website, he'd come across our protocols. Ivermectin did not come into our protocol until much, much later. So it was October of 2020, and suddenly we started to see the trials around Ivermectin consistently positive in this very large magnitude, and it was coming from different centers and countries around the world. We were talking to doctors, doctors were reaching out to us, and he, he was kind of inspired that he saw some doctors that were putting out treatment guidance when the government was doing nothing.
13: My entry into the COVID arena, you can say, um, came about when I saw Pierre Corey's testimony to the state senate in December 2020. I only saw it on the 26th of December. And I prepared a rapid review and s- submitted it to the UK authorities on, the, I think it was the 4th of January. I also sent it to colleagues at the World Health Organization and asked them to pass it on to the COVID team at WHO. And when I didn't get a response by the 7th of January. What's reasonable in in a public health emergency, and that is to disseminate information in whatever means possible. Um, And so I did a video appeal to the UK Prime Minister. Dear Prime Minister, my name is Dr. Tess Laurie, and I'm the Director of the Evidence-Based Medicine Consultancy in Bath. I have recently authored a report called Ivermectin for Preventing and Treating COVID-19, a rapid review to validate the frontline COVID-19 critical care alliance's conclusions. The good news is that we now have solid evidence of an effective treatment for COVID-19. It is called Ivermectin. In connection with its findings, I sent an urgent correspondence to Mr. Hancock and other members of parliament on Monday, the 3rd of January. Unfortunately, I have not yet had a reply and due to the urgent implications of the report, I'm trying to reach you via this video. Please may we start saving lives now.
5: I was invited to give a lecture at an international conference on Ivermectin. And on the third day, a uh, doctor named, uh, uh, a PhD named Andrew Hill gave a lecture and said that he was from the WHO. And I reached out to him, and Andy and I became very fast and close colleagues. And he was as taken with the data as we were.
13: I was introduced to Andrew Hill by Dr. Pierre Corey in that uh, first week of January. He had been working with Pierre Corey to present the evidence to the NIH that week. Pierce said, you know, you really must meet him. He's the WHO consultant working on ivermectin. And Andrew Hill agreed to be on the team with us. But then that weekend, his own review was published on a preprint server. Now, this was a great cause for concern because it was clearly rushed. It was very poor quality with with all these, these obvious flaws. I emailed him and I said, Andrew... This is going to cause immeasurable harm. It's, please retract this review and let's talk. I can help you correct these errors.
8: I'm in a very sensitive position here. I, what yeah, I'm trying to do-
13: are, Whose conclusions are those on the review that you've done? It's who,
8: who's, list, who's
13: not listed as an author who's actually contributed?
8: Well, I mean, I don't really want to get into I mean, it, it. I
13: think the it, needs a... to be, it needs to be clear. I would like to know who- well, who are these other voices that are in your paper that are not acknowledged?
8: say it has a say in the conclusions of the paper, yeah.
13: So they have a say in, in your
2: conclusions?
8: Yeah. So the FDA regulations is predicated by the fact that there's no effective alternative therapy. So if ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were declared Uh, effective treatment for for SARS-CoV-2, it would have invalidated the vaccine. The vaccines would not have been
6: allowed to get an EUA. The suppression of early treatment through the press and through various government outlets, including the FDA, is a crime. We have a significant, unnecessary burden of loss of life due to the withholding of early treatments, including treatment with hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. It has caused unnecessary human death.
10: We're so sort of hypnotized by those names, the New York Times, CNN.
6: This is CNN.
10: We're, we're mesmerized by that uh, based on their long records as widely recognized, authoritative, reputable news sources. There was that amazing uh, face-off between CNN and Joe Rogan when some of their lying heads had said that he was taking horse
6: paste. I have individuals like Joe Rogan, for example, who uh, who don't want to take an experimental vaccine but will take horse dewormer.
3: Rogan telling his 13 million Instagram followers that he was treated with several drugs and he included ivermectin on the list, a drug used for livestock.
10: Joe Rogan, uh, he came down with COVID. He says, he says he's says he been taking the uh, livestock dewormer uh, ivermectin. That was a, an attempt to take him down and to misrepresent ivermectin. And he fought back because that's in his
5: nature. Does it bother you that the news network you work for out and out lied, well, just outright lied about me taking horse dewormer. Calling it a horse dewormer is not a flattering thing. I get it's that. a lie. It's a lie on a news network. You're working for a news organization. If they're lying about a comedian taking horse medication, what are they telling us about Russia? What are they telling <sighs> us about Syria? Do you, know, do you understand that? That's why people get
4: concerned about the veracity of the news the reliability of the media a recent poll that says it's almost at an all-time low should look at news sources that are outside of this matrix of treachery because it's there in order to accept advertising and lobbying money from established corporate sources which means it has to operate compliantly and in alliance with the government so you're not going to get honest information from those sources so they kept saying ivermectin is a
11: horse paste well when he got it's of course it's not it's a it's kind of a miracle drug and uh they were even thinking it could cure cancer before covid happened and uh, then covid happened and then they had to demonize it right away because it's cheap nobody can make money off ivermectin it's a generic and so the company that invented it burke they can't make money off it because now anybody can make it
10: there is an alternative media, that is true. It is something that has emerged very suddenly and recently, right? Joe Rogan represents that. Uh, Jimmy Dore represents that. Uh, Podcasters have basically filled the breach that's been left by the
4: left press. There will always be some outlets, I think, that that, uh, try to tell the awful truth. And we learned something else about COVID. One day the test is positive, the next day the test is negative. A week later the test is positive. A week later the test is negative.
5: So is a PCR test not a good barometer either? Yeah, that is a very good question. It's pretty obvious if you look objectively
10: at the data that the CDC is totally manipulating this pandemic, and they did it from day one. One of the most egregious examples of this is the test that they the very test they use to diagnose a case or someone who's infected with the virus. There's the test was a PCR test and it amplifies the amount of agent that you want to check for.
2: Carrie Mullis was the inventor of PCR. He was not the inventor of the PCR test. There is no test for either AIDS or COVID. As Carrie Mullis said, it doesn't test for anything. It finds what you tell it to find. And he always said, that doesn't tell you Whether you're infected with anything, it doesn't tell you whether you're likely to get sick from anything, it doesn't tell you anything. And the overwhelming data about PCR tests and COVID shows that there is a shoddy, at best, correlation between positive PCR tests and disease outcome. So why did they use PCR for COVID?
5: How can people actually tell if they are contagious in the cycle of having COVID? How do you measure that if not with either a yeah.
1: PCR test or an antigen test. And I think that's the, the understandable confusion that people have about testing. Testing saying whether you're infected or not versus are you infected plus transmissible.
2: COVID began in China as a pneumonia. And for some reason, we were reading in the papers that something like 53 people in Wuhan, China had some kind of novel pneumonia they hadn't seen before. And because I'm alert to propaganda, I, I got very anxious. I thought, why are we reading about pneumonias in China? We don't ever read about pneumonias in China. Why are we reading about these?
6: In the first week in January, I got a call from Michael He's a former DARPA project officer, and literally he is our top expert in gain-of-function research and has been so for years and years and has long been deeply embedded as one of our top biodefense slash biowarfare experts, who was in Wuhan at the time in the first week in January. And he warned me, he said, Robert, you need to get your team spun up because we've got a problem. This coronavirus looks like it's gonna be a major issue.
9: And my question is, have you seen anything at this point that gives you a high degree of confidence that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was the origin of this virus? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And I think that the World Health Organization
10: should be ashamed of themselves.
7: The Fauci emails themselves, as I understand it, it was involved in trying to cover up origins of COVID and trying to say it was a zoonotic origin. And there's no way the lab leak uh, theory had any credence to it.
0: At 2.47 in the early morning of February 1st, 2020, four hours after his loyal grantee, virologist Christian Anderson, informed Dr. Fauci that he and other leading biologists believe that the genetic sequence was highly unlikely to be the product of natural selection. Dr. Anthony Fauci fired off a carefully worded email to Catholic. Dr. Fauci's other emails from that evening suggest that he was intensely worried that the Chinese experiments that may have created this striation and the novel coronavirus would bear his fingerprints.
6: I first heard about this amazing story concerning the use of burner phones by Jeremy Farrar, Tony Fauci, and Francis Collins right after the initiation of the outbreak from the memoir that Jeremy Farrar, who's the head of the Wellcome Trust, one of the largest sources of funding for British biotechnology and vaccine development. Why Farrar was in that loop, I infer is because he had some role in providing the funding to the Wuhan Laboratory, Institute of Virology, that had been involved in that research. He disclosed in his autobiography that he and Tony and Francis Collins had used burner phones to avoid any trail that would be able to document their conversations immediately after the initiation of the outbreak. And he spoke about that in the context of talking about their fears and collusion in trying to cover up what they knew about the work that had gone on at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The
0: U.S. intelligence agencies now believe that the Chinese knew that the virus had escaped from the Wuhan lab by September 12th. And it probably escaped sometime in late August, early September. But in September 12th, the military went into that lab at night and they changed the leadership of the lab. They took 22,000 coronavirus samples and removed them, and they've never been seen again. They removed mention of many of the gain-of-function studies from the public-facing websites. The intelligence agencies in the U.S. and Great Britain and Europe, they call the Five Eyes, the Western nations who all share intelligence with each other, all had deep involvement not only in funding these studies at the Wuhan lab, but also in the cover-up of protecting the the countermeasures and, and protecting the Wuhan lab against nosy investigations. In August of 2020, I gave a speech to the Peace and Justice Rebellion in Berlin. Governments love
4: pandemics.
0: (laughs) I estimated crowds were about a million democracy advocates. There were people from every nation in Europe and every color of the rainbow, and they came together to demand the return of their, their constitutional and human rights. The only thing a government needs to make people into slaves is fear. Immediately after that, the German intelligence agencies and the British intelligence agencies announced that they were considering vaccine hesitancy a form of terrorism and that they were unleashing their cyber warfare arsenal on people in foreign countries who they consider vaccine hesitant. It's illegal for the CIA to spy on American citizens in this country but the way that the cia has always gotten around that stricture is by outsourcing the spying on u.s citizens to the five i nations like great britain and germany with whom they share the intelligence so they don't have to spy on you know us they can get the brits and the germans to do it and then they can get the intelligence that way and it's disturbing at um you know that people who are simply questioning government policies, important government policies that affect the health and well-being of of millions and millions of American children and adults, are treated as enemies of the state.
8: Is this very famous uh, French uh, microbiologist uh, and clinician Didier Raoult? who actually published you know, some of the earliest data showing the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine. Uh, hydroxychloroquine is effective against the multiplication of four different species of coronavirus uh, in cells uh, that may be a very good uh, candidate to treat patients. important that not only it works on patients but also that uh, There was a clearance of the virus in four days. But again, you know, this was going against the narrative. Previously, hydroxychloroquine was available over-the-counter in France to to censor him and silence him. This was removed from over-the-counter.
10: Propaganda always entails censorship. It must. Because propaganda, again, does not seek to persuade. It seeks to push you. Uh, to jolt you into a particular point of view. So it doesn't try to make arguments. It it doesn't uh, try to make a reasonable case. It it doesn't use reason at all, actually. It tends to be a kind of almost neurological manipulation. Now, because propaganda doesn't tolerate argument, it always entails extremely rigorous censorship of the counter-narrative. It must be vilified. It must be condemned. It must be blacked out.
6: Will you provide a list of every website and hashtag that Facebook content moderation teams have discussed banning on the task
4: platform? I would be happy to follow up with you or your team. Uh, to discuss further w- how we might move forward on that, but will we you commit to
6: providing the information you have logged on the Task Website about content moderation that your company has undertaken? Yes or no,
4: Senator? I think it would be better to, to follow up once I've had a chance to discuss with my team what any uh. sensitivity around that would be.
6: We could, of course, subpoena this information, but I'd much rather get it from you voluntarily. But I think that, let everybody take note that that Mr. Zuckerberg has now repeatedly refused to provide information that he knows that he has and has now acknowledged. Just to clear up one point, I mean, my understanding
4: is that these vaccines do not modify your DNA or, or RNA. Um, so so I think that that's that's just an important point to, to clarify. If I'm getting anything yeah. wrong here, of course, correct me, but, um, don't know. but, but just to, to make that clear. I, I share some caution on this because um, we just don't know the long-term side effects of, of basically modifying people um, the DNA and RNA to um, to directly encode in a person's DNA and, and RNA, basically the ability to, to, to produce uh, those antibodies and whether that causes other mutations or other risks down uh, downstream.
7: But the real kicker is right here on the policy where Facebook says it would remove any content that, quote, claims
12: the COVID-19 vaccine changes people's DNA. Dr. Fauci collaborated with Mark Zuckerberg, there were emails between them. And this is a complete conflict because Facebook is invested in the vaccines. Google is invested in the vaccines. They have a conflict of interest. Microsoft makes the vaccine passports. And yet Dr. Fauci, who's not supposed to be coordinating health policy with for-profit stakeholders who have a conflict of interest, he was taking input and apparently aligning his message with what these tech bros wanted to have happen.
0: In 2020, many of the Gates, Fauci, HIV vaccine trials in Africa suddenly became COVID-19 vaccine trials as the unprecedented tsunami of new COVID-19 plunder began flowing through Dr. Fauci to the same disciplined legions of the virology caste. The one-size-fits-all approach to um, solving the problems of poverty and disease is a failed approach. Poverty is the result of a complex uh, conspiracy of economic factors, of cultural factors, of food production, of political issues, and uh, and governance issues. The idea that you can come in with a technological intervention and solve the problems of human poverty is is a dangerous myth. And one of the, you know, the great injuries that I think that Tony Fauci and Bill Gates have perpetrated, is steering the World Health Organization away from its traditional concerns with economic development, with agriculture, with local governance and and education, those holistic issues of developing locally rooted solutions to local problems of poverty and health, and steered the WHO toward the kind of single preoccupation with vaccines.
1: And we're taking things that are, you know,
5: genetically modified organisms and we're injecting them in the little kid's arms. We just
2: shoot them right into the vein. The, the, the Bill Gates apparatus, they're worse than colonial powers because the colonial powers at least built some infrastructure that was useful and helpful and pharmacolonialism specifically is you will have nothing to say about how to treat illness in your country that will be dictated by us and once we've put our dictatorship into your country your country is effectively invaded in a sense it's colonized by us and I saw that when I crossed Africa that There were CDC vans, and wherever they had shown up, went to the top of each government, not hard to do, corrupted the government.
9: One of my email contacts uh, told me that in his town where he was from in in Zambia, hydroxychloroquine is over-the-counter and yet it had disappeared from the shelves, that somebody came in and bought up all of the hydroxychloroquine. You have to understand that in in Africa, hydroxychloroquine is an anti-malarial. It's used for malaria, it's called Sunday Sunday, because it's taken once a week. You know, Sunday is is a typical day. It's like a a vitamin virtually in in those countries. And yet suddenly it disappeared off all, all the shelves, and there were bonfires outside of the town.
8: The wait is now finally over for the people of the United States. According to the authorities, the first phase of the highly-awaited Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine rollout is all set to start from Monday onwards. The U.S. Army General Gustav Perner, who is currently acting as the chief operating officer of the government's Operation Warp Speed program, said on Saturday that the first shots of the vaccine campaign will be administered as
5: early as Monday morning. We expect 145 sites across all the states to receive vaccine on Monday. Another 425 sites on Tuesday and the final 66 sites on Wednesday, which will complete the initial
1: delivery of the Pfizer orders for vaccine. So the first thing you might wanna say to my African-American brothers and sisters, is that the vaccine that you're going to be taking was developed by an African-American woman.
0: Early on, after the vaccine rollout began, we began to see a wave of deaths, particularly in seniors, citizens and elderly, who were the first people to get the vaccine. And one of these deaths was Hank Aaron, who I knew was, you know, the uh, MLB superstar.
1: There's a high drive the deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence,
12: and
0: And Hank Aaron did a press conference at CDC's urging in Atlanta, which is the home of CDC. He did a press conference in which he got the vaccine on TV, telling African-Americans. You need to do what I do. The vaccine is safe. Here I'm going to take it in front of you. Well, 17 days later, he died. And I wrote an article saying his death is part of a wave of deaths that we're seeing in elderly after vaccination. I didn't say that his death was caused by the vaccine because I can't say that. Scientifically, I didn't have the information to be able to say that, but I could say with certitude and scientific certainty that his death was among many deaths that were being reported immediately after vaccination. Well, I was attacked by CDC and by the New York Times and USA Today
4: and all of the television networks and news organizations around the world. Now, remember, the NFL has a vaccine mandate. Aaron Rodgers develops COVID-19. Wait a minute. You took the vaccine. He's like, no, I didn't. I didn't take the vaccine. I got COVID. He got the McCullough protocol. He goes on with Pat McAfee. I got the McCullough protocol. I got through it. Thanks, Dr. McCullough. And it's revealed he hasn't gotten the vaccine. And why? Because he's concerned about myocarditis. And Cole Beasley for the Buffalo Bills, same thing. And Kyrie Irving. Plays in New York for basketball, same thing. So we have player after player coming out saying, listen, I am worried about myocarditis. And then you see the array of damage.
5: A Baker County High School senior is in the hospital
4: after collapsing on the tennis courts.
11: Breaking new details on the deaths of a high school soccer
3: player.
4: Finland, Denmark star man Christian Eriksen collapsing towards the end of the first half.
3: The Kennedy High community mourning tonight after one of their high school football players
12: died.
5: A South Carolina high school football player has died after collapsing at football practice. Star college basketball player collapsing on the court. We want to warn you, the video may be difficult to watch.
12: Florida Gators star. Johnson collapsing during the game
10: a West Catholic high school student has died after collapsing during a football
1: scrimmage on mile 8 she suddenly felt fuzzy and blacked out 17 year
5: old Ryan Jacobs heart stopped unexpectedly collapsed on the field Megan went into cardiac arrest
3: collapsing during Friday night's football game
2: this is a gigantic experiment they were doing on the entire world's population it's never been used before on humans
11: the side effects for the moderna vaccine sound concerning we looked after the second dose at least 80 percent of participants experienced a systemic side effect so are these vaccines safe
5: well the uh the fda not being pressured will look hard at that. The FDA is the gold standard of regulators, uh, and their current guidance on this, if they stick with that, is, is very, very appropriate.
2: They have been working on this technology for a long time, but they've had a lot of problems with it. They haven't been able to get it to where it can work. It's too toxic, and they see this as a tremendous opportunity. And Fauci sees it. Bill Gates sees it. They've been heavily vested in this mRNA technology as a a new revolutionary concept in biology, in medicine.
11: When you woke up this morning, did you know you were going to be receiving the
7: vaccine?
13: I did. Yes. So you know, all of my staff, um, we are excited to get the vaccine. You know. I'm sorry, I'm feeling really dizzy. Oh, I'm sorry.
9: The mRNA vaccines work by taking genetic material in the vaccine that's encapsulated in a little microscopic particle and having that particle infect your cells. And that means that the particle's transferred from the outside of your cells to the inside. So it uses your cells, your body, to complete the vaccine manufacturing. It's completed by your body's genetic machinery and not the the manufacturer's. The
6: mRNA that I was working with in the Inventions that I came up with are fundamentally different from what's being used in the current product in that I was producing what is close to being a natural RNA. What's being used in the emergency use authorized products from Moderna and Pfizer BioNTech are not natural RNAs, uh, so they are related to what I'd originally envisioned, but also different. And those differences seem to have contributed to the risks and toxicities.
11: Messenger RNA is made by our cells every single day. It's made by our DNA. And what messenger RNA does is it's a delivery of a recipe. The DNA has a recipe that it writes on the messenger RNA, because remember, it takes messages. So it has a recipe on the front of it that says, make this protein for healing this muscle. And the messenger RNA then goes over to the ribosomes, which is the factory. And it reads the the recipe on the front of the messenger RNA and creates the protein, which then goes out into the body and goes over to the muscle that's been injured and hurt and, and repairs it. That's normal. DNA, messenger RNA, that happens every day, every minute in our cells all day long. One of the fascinating and terrifying things we've seen over the last two years is that there have been more injuries and deaths reported from COVID shots in the official VAERS systems, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, than for all vaccines combined over the last 30 years. All the vaccines, hepatitis, measles, polio, DPT, you name it. There have been more injuries and more deaths in the last two years from COVID shots. In September of 2000, when I started investigating problems associated with vaccines, there were about 8,000 VAERS reports per year. The last time I looked before COVID, it was about 35,000 reports per year. And if that's somewhere between one and 10% of actual injuries, we could be talking about somewhere between 350,000 and 3.5 million people who are actually injured and were unfamiliar with fi- filing a VAERS complaint.
8: There are a number of reasons that it's underreported. It's a very cumbersome system. It's difficult to use. It's difficult to get data in, and it takes time. And clinicians are reluctant to put data into into the VAERS system. So there should be a much more proactive. System, where the, the federal government, if they were interested, would more closely track the adverse events related to uh, these um, vaccines.
0: Dr. Fauci's refusal to fix the Health and Human Services Department's notoriously dysfunctional vaccine injury surveillance system, theirs, constituted inexcusable negligence. HHS's own studies indicate that VAERS may be understating vaccine injuries by over 99%.
5: The VAERS um, vaccine adverse event reporting system uh, tells me that there has been a lot of very bad side
1: effects. The initial safety uh, study, Mark, is to see if I inject it in the arm, does it have some sort of Idiosyncratic or bad reaction.
12: I had my COVID jab on the, on the 17th of March. That left me with seizures and I was paralyzed. It's left me with tick attacks.
5: Got my COVID vaccine, Pfizer on Monday, and
1: Thursday after I have those There's another element to safety, and that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response, and then they get exposed and infected. Does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse? And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. This would not be the first time, if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. There was the history of the respiratory syncytial virus vaccine in children, which paradoxically made the children worse. One of the HIV vaccines that we tested several years ago actually made individuals more likely to get infected. If you take it and then a year goes by and everybody's fine then you say okay that's good now let's give it to 500 people and then a year goes by and everything's fine Say, well then now let's give it to thousands of people and then you find out that it takes 12 years for all hell to break loose and then what have you done?
12: The
11: university is requiring all students and workers to get vaccinated and verify the status of their booster vaccination by the date of January
9: 21st. Tomorrow you have to show proof you're vaccinated you can't eat indoors at Philadelphia restaurants and bars.
8: Big changes ahead for restaurants and many other businesses in Chicago beginning tomorrow vaccination mandate goes into effect
5: if you want to eat out or work out in three suburbs you have an extra week before you need to flash that vax cards please
1: get vaccinated
12: my daughter took that shot yesterday in las vegas and she's dead she took the Pfizer vaccine and she's dead
1: thank you for watching part one of the real anthony fauci i i got to tell you the best is yet to come there's part two part three and part four and you can see those for free at our website the real anthony again it's free that'll just be up for a little while but we do want you to see the rest of this astounding story and if you get a chance please share again come watch part two part three and part four at the real anthony fauci movie.com thank you Given the the long incubation period of this disease, we may be starting to see, as we're seeing virtually as the months go by, other groups that can be involved, and and seeing it in children is really quite disturbing.
2: It used to be that Anthony Fauci, Robert Gallo, and all of them told the American people, if you test positive today, you are probably going to die within six months to a year. Then it became three years, then it became five years, then it became ten years, and they kept stretching it and stretching it. You needed to be tested in order to know that you
10: have it, and you needed to be tested with PCR technology. Does that sound familiar? And its inventor, Kerry Mullis, was beside himself with anger that it was being used to diagnose uh, people with HIV, which was then supposed to lead inexorably to AIDS, He spoke out against this at the time.
1: Guys like Fauci get up there and start talking, you know, he doesn't know anything really about anything. And I'd say that to his face, nothing. The man thinks you can take a blood sample and stick it in an electron microscope. And if it's got a virus in there, you'll know it. He doesn't understand electron
5: microscopy and he doesn't understand medicine and should not be in a position like he's in. He repeatedly said, including on tape, you should not use the PCR test to diagnose clinical infection with viruses. He repeatedly said that. What are we doing? Using the PCR test to distinguish clinical diagnostic tests with viruses. They've got a personal kind of agenda. They make up their own rules as they go. They change them when they want to. And they smugly, like Tony Fauci, does not mind going on television in front of the people that pay his salary and lie directly
0: into the camera.
2: Starting with AIDS and going through uh, SARS and MERS and Zika and bird flu, they have one thing
11: in common:
2: Fauci at the
11: center. We did SARS in 2002, MERS 2003, bird flu in 2005, H1N1 2009. This is the same playbook, different
7: virus. If you look at Anthony. Fauci's tenure at NIAID specifically after the 2001 anthrax attacks. He was responsible for the massive funding of numerous biosafety labs throughout the United States, several of which have engaged in gain-of-function experiments uh, during that period of time. I got a
0: hold of that transcript and I published excerpts from it in Rolling the Stone and so on simultaneously. And immediately it was a storm of controversy, pressuring Rolling Stone and Salon so to take down the article. You get deplatformed if you tell the truth or if you say anything that challenges government orthodoxies.
5: And somebody, his name is Robert Kennedy
1: Jr., was advising him that vaccines were causing bad things. And I said, no, that's a dead end. That would be a bad thing. Don't do that.
0: The president took a million dollar contribution for his inaugural party from Pfizer, and then chose two of Pfizer's hand-picked candidates, Alex Azar and Scott Gottlieb, run the public health agencies, and those gentlemen killed the Vaccine Safety
1: Commission. There's no doubt in anyone's mind There will be a surprise outbreak
11: it was laying the groundwork for what they needed to do with the fear-based messages to put everybody on high alert to actually have everybody start talking about this pandemic
0: here you have the government regulatory agency collaborating with a pharmaceutical company to keep secret the results of clinical trials on a drug that is now mandated to virtually everybody in America, for which the company has no liabilities. So no, matter, no matter how grievously you're injured, no matter how reckless
6: or negligent their conduct, you can't sue them. At a the very fundamental level, we have no understanding of what we've done, and yet we have taken this synthetic molecule that's not really RNA, and administered it to global populations.